Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. I'm Jeff Jones, and of course, with me is... Steve Foster. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Steve. Uh, back from the World Speed Shooting Championships all last week. What a great time. And uh, everybody, we have a special guest. Special guest, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our uh, listening family? My name is Mike Poley. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say. I was waiting for you to say. My name is Indigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> I was gonna think he was gonna introduce himself as the sexiest man or the sexiest beard in all of USPSA, but you know that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't even think that I'll come close. I mean, I might be a master or maybe GM with a little G on that, but I'm pretty far from a world champion. <laughs> Well, let's talk. Let's talk the match. Um, wow, what an experience! I'm looking here um, at the the scores uh, quickly. 632 competitors. Um, maybe not as big as it uh, could have been, but you know, based on this year, I think that's quite an accomplishment. How? Uh, what were your feelings, Mike? Well. The, the record was last year, 645, uh, the year before, 641. Uh, back before a little thing called COVID hit, we were hoping to have 704 people in this match. And there were many times throughout the year that we were sold at 704 slots and people waiting to get in. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is when it came down to match time, uh, we had some no-shows and, and, and some, some folks who uh, simply... Uh, couldn't afford to take three weeks off work to uh, perhaps attend the match and then have to quarantine for two weeks when they returned home. Uh, so those were factors. Uh, I know of at least one guy who had nine entries who just, uh, you know, couldn't come for that reason. So when you start looking at, uh, at, at the year that we had, and, and, and I'm not one of the first people to jump in and blame COVID. Uh, in fact, we're setting records in other ways this year in spite of COVID. Uh, I had hoped for 700, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to complain in the 630s. Uh, that basically means the match has been the same size the last three years. Um, it uh, was uh, very close to its capacity when we added the extra flight this year to be able to get to 700. And my ego can take the bruise because I know next year we can put 700 uh, guns in this match. Absolutely, and. For those, those people living under a rock or only listening to this podcast, tell the people where this World Speed Shooting Championships is going to be for the next three years. Uh, we've had a really great response uh, to this event at uh, CMP Talladega Marksmanship Park in Talladega, Alabama. And uh, we just signed a three-year agreement uh, with CMP Talladega along with some cooperation from uh, the tourism folks uh, there in uh, the county, as well as the state of Alabama. And uh, we're happy to say that, that we'll be at CMP Talladega for World Speed for the next three years. Uh, we have a date set for 2021, and that date is the 14th through the 18th of April. Uh, we're very excited about returning back to a spring um, time for this event. Um, which we'd hoped to do again this year, but obviously had to delay for, you know, for obvious reasons. But um, CMP Talladega, I mean, what a wonderful place, right? Absolutely. Hey, Mike, did you find that um, based on the location of the event, you have more participation with ROs? Because, you know, I've shot, I don't know, I think this is my sixth world speed shoot, and the quality of ROs, and I want to publicly thank them because they did an amazing job. But it's it didn't it did not ever seem like there was anybody that was ever short staffed. We actually had you know up to three or four ROs on a on a stage. Do you think that is indicative of where it's being held, or do you think you know what do you attribute that to? So. There are, there are multiple factors that goes into that, and, and one is geography, obviously, as, you, as you've attested. There are places in the United States that are just more uh, practical shooting rich than other places. Uh, the other is how travel relates to that geography, and as much as I loved uh, the Steel Challenge at the Hogue Range at San Luis Obispo, uh, it's not necessarily a really easy place to get into, 
like, uh, you know, Talladega, Alabama is. Uh, for example, uh, airports. You can fly into Atlanta. you got an hour and something drive. You can fly into Birmingham. you got, like, a 40-minute drive. Uh, there are uh, all kinds of interstate highways that, that, that flow through there. And people from the southeastern United States uh, travel there regularly for matches. Uh, people from the rest of the world can get in there on whatever airline that they want. So, so that, that's also a factor. A third factor is match management, match administration. Uh, not to take anything away from other match directors, but when my team handles this, uh, we tend to cover uh, the staff in a way that no one else can compete with. Uh, we have the ability of running this association, uh, of having money in our programs to be able to do things and be able to add more bodies and to be able to, to put three and four uh, ROs on a stage so that we have an RO, a scorekeeper, someone to look for hits, someone to do the administrative tasks. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate in that regard. Not all matches have the kind of budget that we have, uh, and not all matches have the kind of people on the ground working all year where this is their job, not just uh, their hobby job, if you will. And, and to piggyback on that, on just the accolades from the match, is the stages were absolutely perfect. Absolutely. And Jeff and I have talked. Jeff and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast about even some local matches and state level matches that that think that they play their level, but uh, compliments to USPSA that they were absolutely on point and perfect. And I know, Mike, you talked a little bit about that about some of the times and and ensuring that it's fair and consistent. And let's talk about that. I know we talked a little bit about the same conversation last year that you thought and Jeff and I thought, based on the, you know, the couple of people this year that had shot a sub-60, that we were going to see a sub-60 here at the World Speech Year because it's a different climate. Uh, but, boy, did you ever see what, what, what actually happened coming? I mean, it was, it was crazy. You know, I, I anticipated we would see one, maybe two. Uh, I did not uh, see at all that we would have, you know, four new world records set in divisions in the 50s. Um, uh, that, that, just, that just wasn't on my radar. And, and if you look at them, they are, you know, 59, 48, 59, 43, 58, 86, 56, 57. And I look at the classification, you know, how classifications ratchet up, as everyone knows, and I see competitors classified at 53 seconds, 54 seconds. And I firmly believe if you take the best times in all of those low-ready uh, divisions for, for stage times and you add them together, I hate to say this because we're going to spend the next three or four years chasing it, but I believe at some point we will see someone shoot a forty-nine ninety-nine or lower. That's yeah, going to be quite I agree with that. Yeah, that's going to be pretty that. amazing if if that were to happen. Um, you know, uh, Chris if, Barrett's fifty-six, fifty-seven. You know, and you say to yourself, where did he leave four and a half seconds? You know, over over, well, actually six and a half seconds uh, on the table uh, to be able to do that. But, you know, you look at it and you look at some of the other scores of some of the other competitors that, you know, he didn't necessarily, because Chris did not win every stage in, in that division. And you start That's going, right. wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, that is potential. I mean, for those that, that think, listen and know Steel, just listen to these scores. 728 on five to go. 564 on Showdown. 565 on Smoke and Hope. Here's one of the most impressive ones. 907 on Outer Limits. 767 wow. on Speed Option. 884 on Pendulum. 605 on Roundabout. And 637 on Accelerator. Those are some crazy times. Indeed. Well, I think, Jeff, if you look at the classification time uh, for a moment, uh, Grant Kunkel and I were talking about about this because he's been shooting his rimfire rifle iron gun exceptionally, exceptionally well, and I squatted with him uh, when he shot at the, the World Speed Shoot, the rimfire rifle iron gun. He was just 
who's just leaning on it just a little bit too hard. Not that, uh, not that the best of us haven't done that before. <laughs> this guy, uh, that's what I did this weekend. But, um, but in terms of classification time, I think my rimfire rifle open is maybe a high 53. And I asked him what his iron sight classification is, and he said it's a 50 point something. So, to Mike, to your point, we're not that far away from getting those classified times into the into the high 40s. And even, you know, we'll have to see. I haven't looked at it today because the classification is updated today or should have updated today. You know, Chris Barrett shooting a 6, what you say, 37 on accelerator? That is, that is a personal best for him because, you know, him and I, we've shot a lot of matches together. And, you know, to shoot, if you look at his individual times, I think he had a string of fire on that stage at like 1.44 seconds, somewhere in there. It's, it's. It's crazy. These kids are getting fast. Well, you know, uh, being being as that I'm in front of a computer, Steve, um, I'm looking at his rimfire rifle open, and he set he set one personal best. The 907 on uh, outer limits was a personal best, but yeah, his current his current total um, for his his best classified times is a 5367 so you know you look at that and you go you know shaving off half a second here on a stage on a couple of stages you know mike and i talked i thought it'd be 55 but the more i look at it and 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 see what these kids are doing 49 might might be broken or 50 might be broken you know get into those 49s we it was everybody not everybody but you know we've seen a lot of competitors get get close get into that uh that you know low 60s um but you know six competitors at this match broke 60 that's crazy yes it's 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 absolutely insane uh, but again, once you stand there and you watch all of these records, and, and what's what's funny is there were 60s that would have been world records when these 50s came along and smashed them. There were there were multiple people under the bar for a world record. People were setting world records, and people the next day were beating those world records again. Uh, when you're in that atmosphere, when you see it, 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 it's not only impressive and amazing, but after you see it so many times, it almost becomes wholesale. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think it's hard to look at these accomplishments and think of them as basic. But wow, you know, now that we've reached this bar, what's going to impress us next? It's going to be a lower score. Yep. Let's talk. You know, yeah, I think there's a, go ahead. Steve. Hang on, hang on a second, Jeff. Around that point, though is there's a lot of there's a lot of rumblings amongst the shooting community when Grant shot that 57 25 or something like that I mean there was a lot of discussion like man who the heck's going to be able to beat that and there was a lot of discussion that that went into the following day but boy it's uh if I had to wager on that one I'm not sure if I would have thought anybody anybody could Chris just put it all together it was that's an impressive performance, and the PCCO performance that Chris had was just about equally um, impressive. Nobody's uh, broke the well. Chris has shot under 60 seconds with PCC at a local match, but he was one makeup shot away on speed option, walking into speed option of shooting the 50s with that gun, and he shot a sub 60 with PCCI. That's just what was the former world record around that? Seventy or sixty-nine? He smashed it by ten seconds. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, when you look, I mean, and Steve, I'm I'm not going to put you on the spot here, um, and it's not meant to do that, but it's to it's to set uh, an understanding. You shot an extremely good RFO match at a sixty-five forty-nine, and that was eleventh. And that's not to put you on the spot. It's not. To, it's not a dig. It's. It's just that's how fast so many people are getting. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't mind talking about that briefly. If you look at my match this year compared to last year, I shot a sixty-five forty-five, so I was point zero four off of my time last year, which was a fourth place finish. 
and I think, you know, the way that I explained it to my wife driving home, because certainly I didn't have the match that I wanted to have, and having shot sub-60, I don't know, back in uh, the end of June, so it was still relatively fresh, man, I just, I leaned on the, I leaned on, you know, had a good consistent run, leaned on the gas, and I just didn't see it, and it wasn't there, but um, whatever, for whatever reason. But if you go back and look at other matches around the country, you know, if you would have said, hey, Steve went up and shot a 65-49 or whatever it was at the East Coast match, that would have been, which they had, I don't know, five, 600 competitors, that would have been first place by four seconds. So yep. I think it's a testament to you had the absolute best of the best in the shooting community, and if you have a slightly off day, oh boy, you kind of dropped to the bottom of the ocean pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quick. But uh, I can't be more proud of, of Chris. We've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years. He's just, he's put in a lot of time, work, and effort. But, you know, uh, not to toot your own horn because you got a big enough head, Jeff, but you walked away with four senior titles. Kurt Grind picked up at least one. Emily Cunningham just went bonkers with category awards I mean you know it, it's not all about the winning because we are competitors but the steel target paint shooting team which has its roots and foundations in steel challenge really did an exceptional exceptional job but what I'm most proud of in terms of the team we'll get back to Mike and the match is just the quality of people in the room. 56 was the first it was in the rest of the team because you know, we are competitors on an individual basis, but we're more of a, a family. And it wasn't, you know, Kurt was like, oh, yeah, that Jeff beat me on this. No, it wasn't about, hey, congratulations, Jeff. It's awesome. And, yeah. uh, you know, just be. I feel that about the match. You know, I feel very fortunate to be involved um, in this uh, discipline. And, you know, I can remember my first major match, and I was just, you know, bright-eyed and nervous and, and you know, I was watching these guys shooting these rifles. I was just shooting pistols, and I'm like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to do that? And, you know, then you pick them up. And, you know, Mike, you clearly probably are one of the people, uh, maybe outside of Zach, that, that possibly knows the most people at this match. But I was walking around, and, and, and you know, I, I had my focus on, but still, you know, shaking hands and bumping fists. And, sorry, were we supposed to do that? Wasn't there something about you're only supposed to high-five somebody who's in your family? Well, Everybody at this match was in my family. They're all cousins. Um, <laughs> um, it, was, it was great. But, yeah, getting back to the match, Mike, you did something a little different this year, too, um, with the vendor area. Talk a little bit about that. So, you know, we want to make sure that when we work with vendors and sponsors and, and partners in the industry that we always return a value to them for, for what they do with us. And in today's world, that value tends to focus more on the amount of eyeballs that we create for them in a year-long cycle um, where, you know, the amount of eyeballs at any given time can be a half million people or in the case of our, 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 some of our uh, broadcast stuff, 5.7 million people. And, and so those values tend to, to take prominence on, on the stage. Uh, but in Steel Challenge, the vendors seem to be very much involved in the sport. So uh, I had been to a couple of matches where vendors were put out on an island or a peninsula by themselves, and they weren't getting much love or much traffic. So we ha started having a conversation in recent weeks about putting – uh, the vendors in the dead center of the match, which meant that we would have to relocate one of the traditional stages from its traditional spot in the match and move it to the end, that it would change the schedule, uh, but that it would be worth it uh, because those folks uh, give so much to us. We want to make sure that we're always uh, being engaged, uh, that they're always being engaged, that they always have people there, that they're able to to, to participate and not just be out there on the end like the Maytag repairman. So we came up with this concept. Jake Martins and I mostly uh, ha had this idea, and, and Zach and everyone you know, kind of went along with it, and they allowed us to do it. We put all of the vendors in the tent city. Uh, Brian Connolly is almost always, uh, from Hunter's HD Gold, is almost always the first guy to show up anywhere. He plants his flag early. He gets the best spot. He's there. He does what he needs to do to make sure he's going to get all the interaction that he needs. 
And because of that, I said, hey, Brian, I said, you know, as everybody comes in here, I said, if you just kind of want to, you know, tell them this is where it's going to be and what's going on. And, you know, obviously we'll be down here to talk to them and, and, and so forth. I said, but if you want to, if you want to be the mayor of Tent City, you can be the mayor of Tent City. Well, Brian kind of took that charge a little more serious than I meant for him to and became the mayor of Tent City. In fact, I think they now have a city council. They're having regular meetings. Uh, and maybe they're squatting on the range and they're about to file an encroachment lawsuit so that they can be there permanently. I don't know how all it's going to pan out, but, but, but Tent City was a huge success. Uh, part of that, obviously, is because uh, Chris from Tipman Arms gets people to shoot a full auto twenty two nonstop. And when you pull onto a range or walk up to a range and you hear full auto gunfire, let's just face it, we're all drawn to it. We want to be where it is. We want to do it. We want to touch it. We want to get everybody in there. And so we had everybody over there from, uh, you know, grizzly ears to federal premium ammunition to Palmetto State Armory, Lead Star Arms, uh, Premier, uh, CWA, um, I'm sure that I just left somebody out of that list because I wasn't reading it. I was going off memory. But but we had a lot of vendors. They were there. They were engaged. And uh, they seemed to really enjoy it. They seemed to really like the atmosphere and the amount of traffic that they got. I know the competitors enjoyed it. Uh, I know that uh, that lunch usually is kind of a mundane, boring, when can we get started back. And, and lunch breaks this week were not like that. Lunch breaks were all about us congregating down there and shooting all of those guns and trying on different glasses and maybe getting fitted for ears and doing all of the things that, that, that we like to do. So I thought it was a real smashing success and a real friendly, awesome place. And I think it added an element uh, to the match uh, that uh, I didn't quite expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... And, uh, Jeff, to piggyback on that, if I could, before we uh, move on to something else, uh, thank you to Chris with Tipman Arms and Jason with uh, Federal. You know, we were shooting that full automatic gun down there like there wasn't an ammo shortage. Man, there was brass going everywhere. But uh, it was definitely one of the highlights for my daughter. She's 13, and, you know, to see her shoot a fully automatic gun, I think she may have done it once before at the World Rimfire match. But just the, it just brought me back to my roots of why I like to shoot. You know, shooting is just a lot of fun family time. And her touching off that trigger and dumping 25 rounds in, I don't know, a second and a half or something like that. How does that not bring a smile on your face? So, no, it was, it was great, Mike. Really, really enjoyed that. And I think that, you know, there's a pro and con to the lunch break because, you know, shooting got over, I don't know, at 12.30 most of the mornings, and we didn't start until 2. It uh, it allowed people some time to socialize and spend some time down there. And then I think it was Brian that broke out a can, threw that on a CWA. So a lot of people had, if they hadn't had that experience, was able to shoot a suppressed 22. And, man, that, it's just, it was it was a riot down there. Yeah, so, so Mike, you're always looking for improvements you're always trying to outdo last year's match if you had to if you had to like say there was one thing you really want to be able to do for this match um in any respect that you weren't able to do this year or missed out on what do you think that would be not saying you're going to necessarily accomplish it next year you know i'm sure you'd love to be able to give ten thousand dollars to every division winner it's it's not going to happen so you know, let's keep it within a realm of possibilities. But what would you like to be able to do uh, that you may have seen uh, maybe not run as smooth or, or, or do something there to, to uh, improve the match for next year? That's not really uh, that much of a difficult question um, because my team and I, regardless of how happy everyone is or what kind of success that we have. We come away from every match with four or five things that we want to do better or we want to do differently or we want to flow better. And so I, so I have a short list. And my short list starts with something very simple. I'd like to taper the lunch break back to 45 minutes. That gives, gives us enough overlap so that if the morning runs long, we can have um, still have ROs be able to have lunch and get started earlier. 
cuts down on the length of time today for those of us shooting two divisions. I know it's only 15 minutes, but 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 it really flows through the through the whole thing well. While we want to make sure that people go to Vendor Tent City, an hour seemed a bit much when I had every staff member sitting there idle, just waiting for competitors and competitors, you know, just waiting to start. So I, th I think we'll probably truncate the lunch break just a little bit. That should pick up the evening traffic, though, uh, you know, for the, for 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 the same reason. So I think we're just going to cut a little bit off the bottom of the blanket and sew it back to the top. Uh, but that should be better for the entire for the entire mix of everyone. Obviously, one of my goals is to get to 700 guns, and I'm really going to work hard to to you know get us out of the 630s and 40s and get us closer to 700. Uh, that's something that we will start doing as early as, and I'm going to leak this. Zach Jones will probably kill me. We're going to start about the fifth day of December. So everybody, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, for announcements about registration, they'll be coming soon uh, in the USPSA downrange email. If you don't get that. Uh, also follow announcements on the USPSA and SEAL Challenge websites and Facebook pages and all the other places where people dwell. Uh, so the unofficial leak is, is that we're going to start registration about the 5th of December. So if we get that done, then you know we can come closer to reaching that goal of, of, of having more uh, guns in the match. Uh, the second one is we want to uh, expand on our success at uh, Vendor, or the third one is that we want to expand on our success at Vendor Tent City. We want to invite everybody who's ever been a part of that match to come out and uh, take advantage of one of the sponsorship opportunities that gets you in the demo bay and in the tent city. Um, I hadn't seen participation from vendors like like we saw this past weekend since 2006 or seven, uh, since the internet became you know the you know the sole way that we get most of our shooting equipment. Uh, I hadn't seen that that many on the ground, and so we're really happy, really happy about that. Um, we also are going to uh, make sure that our registration is staffed by by uh, paid employees next year. Every uh, single hour that it's posted to be open, uh, Zach Jones is uh, one of the biggest assets to Steel Challenge that ever was. He's passionate about it. He's enthusiastic about it. And uh, I've learned that I don't need to have Zach sitting up there at a table like the Maytag repairman. I need to have him down on the ground where, you know, scores are being posted and people are shooting and so forth. So we're probably going to look at increasing our administrative welcome staff up there so that in the early parts of the match, we don't have people waiting for registration. That was a, a small miss on our part. But again, our forward-facing audience uh, is either very gracious or they didn't they didn't notice uh, you know that that we felt like we could have been better staff there and I, I could go on I'm up to four or five things so when we come away from an event those are the kinds of things we look at we want to make sure that everybody feels welcome that everything is is antiseptic that everything is uh, very happy and positive and Steve talked about the stages and I won't go into the painstaking effort that I take to put my eyeballs on the architrigonometry to put my eyeballs on the stages to stand there with a straight edge and to make sure that I have data from the laser level and to make sure that I look at every stick to make sure it's shimmed for plumb and and and, and those kinds of things because I, I I literally spend half a day making sure it looks the way that I want it to, to, to look or more and that that goes along with everything from the peripheral vision of the competitor forward should be antiseptic and steel challenge so my opinion is is that when you arrive at a, at a session, either a morning or afternoon, you should arrive with fresh paint. You should arrive with your sticks being painted black and your stop plate stick being painted red. Uh, you should arrive with everything being 100% the way it looked on, on day five as it did on day one when we just put it together for the first time and checked it. And I have a staff of people who helped me with that. Uh, John Serafin, uh, who is a volunteer who works with me a lot, uh, ensured that that happened every schedule turn. Uh, Rob Cresswell, who is a liaison of ours at CMP, made sure that that happened at every turn. And our RO staff jumped up and, and, and helped in, in, in a big way. And, and, and quite frankly, you may have seen me arrive at a stage and walk out there myself and dress up the sticks before my squad started. It's, it's super important to me that that presentation be as pristine as it can be. Uh, we only have eight stages. There are no stage plans, no special props. There's nothing that we have to do other than make them beautiful, and I always want them to be beautiful. So that's not an improvement because I don't think there's anywhere to improve on that, but we are going to continue to keep that standard at the forefront of what you see when you get to our match. Well, you know, um, I got there early on Tuesday and, and saw everybody setting up, and I'd walked down to one of the stages, and, uh, you know, there was a guy – literally with a 
butane torch, heating up paint and scraping off paint to have that that uh, that plate pristine. But there was a great video of how some of the other plates were cleaned. Um, you you want to pontificate on that? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. <laughs> Sure. We, we may have put out a little teaser slash uh, troll to our audience uh, of uh, Jake Martin's uh, shooting a uh, shotgun on one of the Steel Challenge stages. And some of us who've been around for a long time remember when there were uh, shotgun stages in Steel Challenge. Uh, yep. That didn't last very long, and, and, it, and it, didn't, it didn't stick. Uh, but uh, we noticed that our steel had more paint on it than we wanted. We had let another event use it, and and it was it. You know, I like for that steel to also have an audible. Uh, and after three seasons, the steel sounded great this year, but but we really didn't want a big uh, a big lot of paint on it. So uh, we decided we would clean it. Well, it became apparent to me that the manual labor of scraping that was going to be difficult, and we talked about it. And the next thing I know, Jake Martin says borrowed a shotgun and bought two flats of shot shells. And we're down there shooting uh, the plates to uh, knock the paint off of them. And we cleaned several stages with a 12-gauge shotgun and then later with a 20-gauge shotgun. And I believe at some point I was asked if we could buy 10 more flats of shells, at which point I said, no, we're not going to get anything else done if we keep doing this. But here, let me shoot it one more time. <laughs> and so that's the kind of... <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so, that, so, so we did, in a, in a brief moment one afternoon clean a lot of the plates with shotguns. Uh, we were cleaning them on sticks that were uh, going to be uh, modified or not used in the match at all, and so we weren't too worried about uh, splatter and pellets and so forth, but uh, occasionally I would find a shotgun pellet somewhere on the range at random the rest of the week, and I giggled every time I saw it. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, back to the, you know, your assessment of the match and some areas of opportunity. It sounds like you and your staff have a realistic viewpoint on, you know, where there may be some opportunities. Where should the average person that, you know, maybe they attended the event or watched videos or, or what have you, where could where can Jeff Jones go to, outside of directly to you, but where could Jeff Jones go to to submit either, you know, hey, accolade, this was exceptional, and here are the three things that were great, or, hey, here's a couple of areas of opportunity that maybe you haven't addressed on the podcast. Where and who can they funnel those, uh, those thoughts or ideas to? Well, as you know, we like to lead from the front. So the very first place that someone can go easily without having to remember anything is to the Steel Challenge website or the USPSA website, and there's a contact form on there uh, that will allow it to get funneled to the right person. However, again, back to leading from the front, my email is president at USPSA.org. And you're more than welcome to email me and, and, and talk to me about any issues re relating to Steel Challenge or USPSA, uh, any improvements, any suggestions, any, any ideas that you have. Uh, I do read and respond to all of my email. I uh, was on the road maybe 34 of the last 37 days, so sometimes it's a little quicker than others. Uh, but I'm happy, happy to uh, enter into those conversations happy to know what you liked and what you didn't like and we always get a few and in fact I have uh, if um, if Kevin Feller is a listener of this podcast Kevin I have your email uh, from late last night about uh, peak times and I will certainly be responding to it uh, as soon as I can so we get you know questions and accolades and improvement suggestions and, 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 and all kinds of things like that uh, from time to time and we welcome them uh, we certainly want to hear from our audience. One of the best things about my team is we've done this a lot. We are the we are the end consumer as much as anybody for, for practical shooting. Jake Martins and I shoot you know level twos, level ones. I shot you know my summer series. I shot three matches at my summer series this summer, uh, which was basically nine different times on the range to complete those three matches. And and we are um, we are dyed in the wool competitors. Nobody loves the game more than I do. So in addition to what we already know how to do and what we've learned as administrators and what we've learned from putting on the largest shooting matches in the world is uh, that you can always improve, that there's always some area that you, that, that you, that you can add to. And, and sometimes those ideas come from really 
simple places like we were standing on the range and saw something or someone said something and triggered something. So we welcome that. Thanks, you know, Mike, to your point, Mike, it. you know, you're talking about how, how you and Jake are shooters and, you know, Jake shot open and he took away uh, a first place in B. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have said that, that those uh, centerfire divisions are dying, but they're still getting competitors and they're still getting people that like to shoot them. And, you know, I challenge anybody, if, if you're out there saying, well, you know, I'm never going to catch Chris or I can't shoot like Grant or Cole's too fast or, or whatever, um, shoot your centerfire gun. Um, I did it two years ago and um, I'm having a blast. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a different game. Uh, you, you've got to learn to be, uh, I don't want to say more precise, but it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a more violent action, 9mm compared to 22. Um, but, you know, you shot it, Jake shot it, Zach shot it, Troy shot it. In past years, you know, there were some people who were involved in the organization that weren't there this year. Um, for different reasons, they shoot it. I mean, you guys don't just come out and work the match. You are participants. Um, right. Hey, you know, you Gary, know what? Hey. Gary, Gary Nash. Is Gary Nash. Yep, you know, Gary and Tess. Gary there Nash. you go. Thank you. What I was going to say, Jeff, is you know what I took away from Jake taking that first place uh, B, B class open time? What a friggin' sandbagger. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking the same thing, Steve. You, you know, and everybody it, it, else. <laughs> it's always a fine line when somebody else says that thing that we were all thinking. <laughs> I love you, Jake. Oh, that's funny. Let's, let's, just, let's just, you know, since I'm here in front of the computer, I just got his USPSA number. Let's just paste that into here, and let's see what oh. happened to Jake's. Uh, classification. Uh, uh, it, it went up to at least today. Uh, you know what? He's a 74.67B. <laughs> so, so he mastered the art of sandbagging? Is that what you're telling me, Jeff? That's Is that what he's looking like? Did. <laughs> I guarantee you that he ate two bad strings on a stage somewhere at the end of the match. Guarantee you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now people well, here even say he doesn't he doesn't care enough to do that. I uh, uh, but, uh, yeah. you know one thing about the the USPSA app and and I did this uh, you know for a couple of divisions where I didn't really have any expectation but I was trying to prove my classification. I followed I followed myself along on the USPSA app and uh, you have the ability to know how you're doing. Well, if you're pretty good at putting that behind you and just shooting the stage in front of you, that works to your benefit. Uh, I would never recommend letting me know going into the last stage that I'm about to have a you know a, a, a personal best and all I need to do is just shoot an average score. That never works out for me. But for some <laughs> people, you can you can follow along and do that. So maybe Jake had the right idea, and you know he he had a couple of times where maybe he thumbed the slide and created a jam or something. I'm not going to say he would do that, but <laughs> it, it does it, it 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 does cause you to wonder. You know, let's let's drag out the elephant in the room for a minute. I had a competitor uh, show up early. He was a range officer on one of the stages. I'm not going to throw him under the bus or say his name, Bob. But um, he said, <laughs> "Yeah, how was, you know, how was the weather? How no was the weather at the match? And did, was anybody driving any Fords to this match? I mean, ha have you seen my new truck? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so he said, you know, I can never uh, uh, compete with these kids. I can't shoot, uh, you know, at, at the classification I'm at. Then he proceeds." shoot what I would consider, and I was squatted with him, so I made fun of him a little bit about it. He proceeds to shoot personal best on three stages, and he proceeds to shoot times that are, uh, you know, propelling his score forward uh, almost to uh, a level that would have him adequately classified. And it brings up an interesting point, and, and, and I just talked about uh, Kevin sending an email about adding, adding maybe a... a a classification for Super GM and so forth. Here's the situation, and, and Jeff knows this because we've had a very lengthy conversation about it, and we are always looking at the data. But I will say this to everyone within the sound of our voice. If you are actively shooting Steel Challenge, the entire population is getting better. So while Grant can come up and shoot a 56, besting his previous best score at this event by four or five seconds, and you go all the way down, let's say, to C-class, and you look at a C-class shooter versus last year, 
those folks are also improving the same amount. And we're running uh, an analysis real soon, and, 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 and we have a lot of other projects going on right now, but we are going to get to this, where we're going to show you the data that says as long as you stay active in Steel Challenge, you continue to ratchet up not just in classification but in performance. And to the people who don't understand that we are a sport first, a hobby second, and an event third, uh, I will just say I will just say this: I will never set the classification at a place where you can be complacent and where you can simply lay up and and simply strive to be where you are and be adequately classified. You're going to have to reach for it. That's how this works. That's how all sports works. That's how the Olympics work. Uh, if you look at records that are set in sports, they are never going to be set by the same people every year. Uh, that lasts for a certain amount of time, but, but, but you also look at what it does for the population. Those same techniques, that same equipment, that stuff always brings them along. And, and, and so uh, I'm, I'm never going to uh, make anybody happy that wants to, uh, you know, that wants to basically have the, their classification set within their comfort zone. Sports are not about comfort zone. Improvement is about improvement, and you're racing yourself, and you're racing everyone else. And so one of the cool things about Steel Challenge is we pop into uh, classifications, and I'm looking at someone right now who's got a high percent and a current percent, and their current percent has fallen slightly below their level of classification. Well, that person certainly has the ability to be a master class shooter, and right now, they're still classified at a percentage as a high A-class shooter. If that person stays active, they will, they will trickle on over into master. And by moving that bar, we're improving your life. So if you don't like that you're not competitive, continue to work on it. You'll get there. And I know, it, I, I know that people think that, that, that I have championitis. Well, I didn't win this match. And I didn't shoot any of my divisions where I really thought I wanted to except PCCO. I shot a second-best match ever there. But... But I know what it takes for me to get there, and I recognize at no point can I simply just show up without preparing in any way, without shooting any matches, without any practice, without any focus, without trying to get better, and rest on my laurels and be competitive. I know for me to be competitive just against myself that I have to stay active, and I have to stay in the community, and I have to stay at it. And guess what? If you don't want to do that, at least you can look back and say, you know, Back in 2018, I was a six-division grandmaster. Yes, you were. And today, if you want to be that, and you want to put that same effort into it, and you want to shoot those same number of matches and practice and so forth, you can be that again. So I, I, I guess I kind of jumped the shark a little and opened up the, the, the can of worms that nobody wanted to open. Uh, but I think, I think everybody who has this conversation with me, um, if, you, if you want me to look at your data, I'll look at your data. But I, but, but I, I promise you, that you're shooting some stage, some string, some place at your classification level. And all you've got to do is put it together. Steve, you weren't shooting in the 60s three years ago, right? No, not, e not even close. I remember Now back you shoot in the 60s every time you shoot. And guess what Guess what? you aren't? You aren't a teenager. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an old fat You're guy. You're pretty far from a <laughs> I don't even, no, don't even give me this, I'm an old guy. That's my line, okay? <laughs> oh, you're right, Jeff. At least I still got hair. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That was, that was, that was my mantra this whole week. It was, be the fastest old guy. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about hair, we can't, we can't really ignore Nate Gibson's mullet. Oh, my God. Holy cow. <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about World Speed 2020, I think that Samson's mullet was giving him extra extra power on on, on delivering on stages. I mean, and he's the happiest guy in the world. Yeah. And, and 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 but but I, but I just have to say, if we're gonna talk about hair, Nate Gibson's mullet steals the show. <laughs> Mike, I walked up to Nate and I said, "All right, Nate, take that hat off. I got to see what's going on there." Sure enough, man, it was uh, business up front, party in the back. Yeah, and, and, and Brian Conley, if you're listening, we know you're jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing, talking about, you know, performance at this match, there was time after time, little Jay Sanza, 
you know, he walked away like he was flavor play with all those medals around his neck. His previous best was like a 78 rimfire rifle open. He shot a 70. Lance Bratcher Jr., his previous best in rimfire pistol open was like a 68, 69, somewhere there. He shot a 60 flat, and then Casey took that from underneath him. Emily Cunningham, her previous best, I think she just dashed into the 60s maybe once, and she shot, what, a 62, 50 or something along those lines. There were some crazy, crazy times being set. And I think well, that Emily, is the Emily Cunningham is is dominating the ladies' low-ready divisions. She has a 69, a 66, a 65, and a 62. Four times in the 60s. PCCI, PCCO, RFRI, RFRO, 62 to 69 in every one of them. And she also had so many medals that I thought that she was some sort of South American general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where those two lumps, she's going to get scoliosis. You know, you're talking about some of those shooters, and I was helping Zach put together the list that we presented to Mike with the uh, the awards and uh, and the uh, and the new world records. And you know, one of the new world records that I thought was also an impressive that was set was um, Neil Norman's 71 and change in rimfire pistol iron. Um, I thought that you know, and and the fact that you know, I think two years ago KC shot a just over 60, and, you know, he's he's pretty much proved if you're going to shoot a pistol, you better be looking for him because he's going to be right oh, there. Yeah. You're either going to see him in front of you or you're going to see him right in your rearview mirror on your tail. So, And, you know, back to Neil Norman, Neil Norman's one of the nicest young men in the sport, and I, I remember when I met him at the 2017 Alabama Rimfire Challenge match, him and his, him and his dad, and you know, we shot together a couple times this weekend, and boy, they, I think he's still on cloud nine right now, so congratulations, Neil. And the other significant accomplishment, I know we we're going to talk maybe about some more records later on, but uh, one of the most prestigious uh, accomplishments, I think, is Ethan Anaconda winning Steelmaster, not to take anything away from Chris Barrett for, for just dominating Rifle Master, because that was an amazing performance. But to be able to do it with a handgun, a couple handguns and a rifle, Ethan, uh, Ethan did an exceptional, exceptional job. You know, Mike, you might remember, point. but is that is that two years in a row for him, or did uh, did uh, uh, VJ win it last year? No, BJ didn't shoot. You know, I fire. You know, I, I hate I hate to set, set the uh, example that nobody remembers what happened last year, but I honestly don't remember what happened last year. <laughs> um, the uh, the interesting thing about Steel Master. And about Ethan being able to deliver on that is it shows how well-rounded and mature you are as a shooter to be able to compete with an iron-sided center fire, an optic-sided center fire, and a rim fire at the same match. You know, you have the draw, you have the irons, you have the optics, you have the low ready, you have, you have so much going on there to be able to stay focused across platforms. I mean, I remember when I shot all 13 divisions in the match, and I remember how excruciatingly tired I was. And I wasn't even trying to win. I was simply trying to survive. For Ethan to be able to step up there and deliver that shows me how well-rounded he is. and shows me what his level of focus and commitment are. And I think that you will see more young guys step into open and limited or single stack and carry optics and, and start shooting center fire. You know, center fire used to be what this thing was all about. Steel Master was the, the most coveted award out there. And now everybody who wins uh, a Rimfire division is setting a world record, and they're the fastest guns in the in the in the whole match, and they're the highest paid in the cash payout. But I, I think Centerfire is going to see a resurgence, not only from those champions trying to get Steel Master, but I think you'll also see a lot of us do what Jeff suggested just a few minutes ago, and that is come out and, and, and tune up with something a little different, shift that focus just a little bit, and none of it seems to hurt you. Agreed. Yeah, and that's one of the things I've done a lot in the last year to supplement or aggregate my shooting is I love shooting single stack just because I think that's where all this all really began. And I shot uh, my new open gun this weekend and, you know, didn't quite put it all together. But, boy, you know what? Something about shooting an open gun, I'm getting a smile just thinking about it. And, uh, you know, looking at some of the statistics from the match, or at least prior to the match entries, 75% of the match was either rimfire or PCC. So 25% of the match was center fire. 
handgun. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, you know, those guns are fun. Absolutely. There's, there's just no doubt about it. The guns are fun. Um, you may not be the fastest, but you've got, you know, a very good opportunity to go one for one. And then once you do that, and then you get the, you get, you know, you get the fire, and you go, okay, I want to get faster. And then you, you know, you maybe, you know, hopefully get out to the range and practice. Or, you know, uh, Steve, you, you have training at, at your home range. Mike, did you know Steve has a home yep. range? We haven't mentioned that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I keep seeing pictures of all of our mutual friends at Steve's range, yet I've never been there. I'm uh, going to you know, I, 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 I invest. I keep seeing all these pictures of people yeah. there. It must exist. Yeah. It I'm does. Gonna invest it does. In a six, I'm going to invest in a five-foot-nine full-size placard of me and put it on his range. The only problem is I just don't know how many bullet holes will actually be in it. You know, it's like I'm going to be like the stop plate in uh, in Roundabout or something, you know. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, here, here's our new drill. Run the plat plate rack to the chest. What does the head go? <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Mike. Yeah, well, listen, um, I'm going to wrap this up. It's been great talking with you. We really oh. appreciate it. Fantastic match. Um I, I personally had a wonderful time. Yes, I was fortunate enough to win some awards, um, and I do feel fortunate about that. But, um, you know, I've, this is my third one, third or four, fourth one, and uh, I haven't ever taken anything away, and I keep coming back because it is such a quality match. So thank you to you and your staff and the organization for, for doing that because it, it really, you know, for anybody who's, who's never shot in the World Speed Shoot, I highly recommend it. Um, keep an eye out on downrange uh, for when that announcement's going to be, for when registration's going to open. Uh, and, uh, and I suggest you be in front of your computer because if I'm not mistaken, this match sold out within like the first couple of hours, maybe even faster. Yeah, it, it did, and, and, and my buddy Steve Hart says he's going to have seven browser windows open, all with a different division, and I'm ready to push buttons. <laughs> That's what it takes. Real quick, Mike, real quick, Mike, is there going to be a change to registration, or do I have to go to the doctor and get some more Prozac? Well, we are working with the folks at Practice Core about a shopping cart-type registration. I can't promise you what their workload or what their timeline is like, uh, I know Zach is in touch with them regularly. We're hoping to have that done by December 5th, but between now and then, I got 20-something days on the ground in Florida putting on another back-to-back uh, -back national championship. And, and so it, it, it may not happen this year, but understand that's an improvement that's going to happen uh, so that not only our match can use it, but the entire world can use it. Otherwise, it's you get six guns in ISR, and then you go back and edit them. <laughs> oh, cheat. Pro tip. Love it. <laughs> All right, Mike, thanks again. We really appreciate it. And, uh, Steve, always good talking with you. Um, hey, you know what? Why don't you give out that, uh, that discount code for uh, rangestore.net? Yeah, it's STPodcast10. Get your steel target paint at rangestore.net. Thanks. thanks again, Mike. Appreciate the time. Thanks, fellas. All right. Night, everybody.